Welcome to Behind the Brands. So, you found us. <laughs> well done, you. Our little podcast all about the fashion industry. Let me just tell you about the host and the creator of this podcast. The guy's from the UK and his name is Warren Parker Mills. Warren's literally worked with some of the best people in the business and met some incredible brands along the way. Now he feels it's time to kind of do things a little differently. He'll be catching up with amazing storytellers from across the globe as they share some of those unwritten secrets that they've managed to figure out for themselves. From brands you'll recognize to small artisan creators that have mastered their craft. You'll hear about their collections, sales, and their ongoing quest for sustainability. So if you're an aspiring designer, an influencer, or just a massive fan of listening to fascinating conversation, stay right where you are. Welcome to September 2021. Goodness me, this year is flying by. Welcome everybody and welcome to the podcast. Uh, This is episode number 25. Crikey, we are really pushing these episodes out to you, that's for sure. Before we start, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to someone that you guys don't know. He's my wingman. His name is Max and he helps me out with all the admin, arranging stuff with the podcast guests. He does the artwork, he does the video. He basically glues all the episodes together. So thank you, Max. I know you don't get the recognition that you deserve, but I do appreciate it. And I want everybody to know it's not just me or the guests. There are other people behind the scenes as well. So thanks, matey. So let's talk about today's other fabulous human being. His name is Joseph Rosenfeld. And Joseph is known within the social and business leaders in Silicon Valley as the chief style geek. People connect with Joseph if they need help or support with dressing appropriately for business or social events, um, and he basically helps them with their self-esteem and shaping themselves into better people. This was a really lovely, honest, and at times personal interview, and thank goodness, that's all I'm saying, a bottle of wine didn't accompany this discussion, or this would have been number 25 and episode number 26. So I'm going to leave you to enjoy it. I will be back at the very end for a little bit more waffle, but until then, sit back and enjoy the show. Hey, Joseph, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Are you good? I'm great, Warren. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Good man. You're very welcome. It's great to have you with us. Um, I've got a question, actually, before we start. So you've just got back from vacation. So are you fully charged and ready to take on the world, Joseph? Is that official? Uh, Now that I've been to another part of the world, I'm fully charged and ready to take on New York. (laughs) All right. Okay. Good for you. (laughs) that's a big challenge that's a big challenge in itself no listen I really appreciate your time and um, I know we've got a lot we can kind of talk through I'm I'm so interested in in your in your niche or your niche as you guys like to say over there you know because it's really it's really really interesting what you're doing and the way that you've developed your career and you've really pinpointed exactly a need shall we say for your services so you are known as the chief style geek so joseph what does that mean my friend what does it mean uh well i like to say that i help fellow geeks like me find their chic so they get made paid and even laid because (laughs) everybody wants more power money and if not sex outright, people want to look more attractive. 
And in the end, what I find um, over all the years of working with um, the collective of my clientele is they want more confidence and they know that I am a personal stylist and image consultant first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, and they are coming to me because they want a personal style that gives them the confidence they're looking for. Yeah. So I have found a way of connecting the dots by studying my clientele. And, and then over the, over the years, I developed more methodology around how to create more of a holistic sense of self and mm -hmm. identity by adding in uh, the elements around personal branding and executive mm -hmm. presence so that somebody really looks on the outside the way they are on the inside and that they can up-level their inner game so that it also is reflected on the outside and it helps people to really have the confidence that they're looking for and it yeah. helps them, I think, to be um, better servant leaders, which is a, a thing that I really believe in very mm -hmm. deeply. So it's mm -hmm. not just being egotistical, like I'm yeah. hot um, <laughs> for the sake of, you know, just looking hot. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. There's a, there's a reason to want to, to look appropriate and attractive, um, beautiful, handsome, pretty, gorgeous, um, compelling, alluring. It's all good. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, it is, it is to, to actually serve other people and to be more humble minded. Um, yeah. so, so really it goes beyond just clothes, doesn't it? It's more of a mindset, I suppose. And the psychology behind it all is, is that where you're coming from? Is that, I mean, we can dig, don't trust me. We can dig much deeper into this subject a bit later on, but it is, it is fascinating because, you know, stylish, you kind of think of somebody, you know, being a personal shopper or working wardrobe or just trying to get the best out of what you've already got. But it seems to me, and again, I'm sure this will be amplified throughout the interview here. Yeah, but it seems to me as you, so you're taking something and you're enhancing more than just the appearance, aren't you? You're enhancing that person. Yes. A person is more than their appearance. The thing is, is that the appearance is a prism through which we see and experience a person's uh, gravitas and, and our communication. So if, our, if the way we sound is incongruous to the way we look, mm -hmm. we make it harder for another person to get the drift of what we're saying. If yeah. our, you know, if we sound powerful, but we look schlumpy, uh, not just in our fashion sense of style, but mm -hmm. also in the way that we are showing up in a, in a visual, physical kind of a way, um, yeah. that also can be discordant and that, that makes it harder for people to really buy into or believe in what we are communicating to them. So mm -hmm. it, 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 it is really important to, to think about all of the you know an individual's strengths what they really um what they really mean what these strengths really telegraph to people um mm -hmm. and how to do it in a way that is really seamless that it is thought through ahead of time and yeah. that somebody feels more tapped in um and and that allows that person to then kind of like forget about it they just mm -hmm. know what they're bringing almost yeah. as if people forget Oh, I'm actually wearing this ensemble today. Like, yeah, I made that decision five hours ago, and now here we are having a meeting. Uh, and 
uh, I completely forgot that I was wearing it, but I, I wore it because I wanted to make the right impression to you so I could serve you and and, mm -hmm. and and give you the energy that I think you need kind of a thing. That's really cool. I mean, I, I, just on your clients then, where are your clients mostly? Where are you based, Joseph? Where's, where's home for you? For the last two years, I have been based in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. And yeah. uh, I lived uh, for many years in the Silicon Valley in California, south of mm -hmm. San Francisco, mm -hmm. uh, and still have a tremendous clientele out there. Yeah. Uh, and I've been working with them remotely during the COVID time. Um, I've also had some uh, Californians come to New York in recent times to work with me. Cool. Uh, and that's been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm, you know, still working with people in New York. And uh, what's also been kind of an incredible experience is I have also taken on clients uh, who live in places like Los Angeles or the yeah. Minneapolis-St. Paul area, the Chicago yeah. area where I'm native to. And I'm I'm able to do a lot for people even in a remote um, capacity, which has been amazing. Fantastic. That's really good. Um, I want to go back a little bit in time, not too far, Joseph, but back to school. <laughs> what oh, were you no. like? <laughs> Do you remember those days? <laughs> what were you like as a kid? I mean, you know, I, I, you seem so confident and so affirmed in what you believe. And, you you know, you kind of found your, as I said previously, you found your space. But what was it like being a, growing up as a kid and being at school? What was that like? School and my childhood were sad time. Um, I was sexually assaulted by a female babysitter in my own home when I was seven. Mm. Uh, I was beaten up and bullied for years. Uh, the sexual attacks that I just mentioned, um, kids saw this, saw the after effect of it all because I was thrown out of my own house and nothing more than my underwear. Wow. The neighborhood kids saw this and they saw me as weak and basically, I was branded as every kind of bad permutation that one could imagine a seven, eight-year-old boy um, could have been told he was. And mm. uh, they, these, these ideas that people had about me um, remained for many years. And I, to be honest... Um, I mean, the story gets better, right? Because I'm here. So I just need to pause. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful you're sharing this, but honestly, I just I felt awful then, you know, but it is, it is really an integral part of you and your makeup, isn't it? And I thank you for sharing that because that's very kind of you. People do need to know um, mm -hmm. this part of the story, I think, in order to understand what it is that I've been able to do. And yeah. why I now do, why I have been doing, why I've dedicated really my whole life to the study of people mm -hmm. um, through fashion and style and, and the branding and the executive presence components that I you know previously mentioned. Yeah. Uh, it's because I did not know who in the hell I was. Mm. I mean, after so long of so many years of people telling me what a shit I was, <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you're bound to believe in it, unfortunately. And yeah. I was programmed. So way before anybody was ever talking about uh, the idea of personal branding, for example, I was very concerned as a 15 year old 
what were my that what I would now identify as my values and passions mm-hmm. and my vision mm-hmm. and purpose. Why should I stay alive? What 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 is the purpose of my life? What do mm-hmm. I believe in? Um, who am I? These are, you know, pretty uh, heady big questions. questions. Yeah, you know, yeah. For a kid, um, <laughs> you know, and so I, to be honest, I. Uh, I can say this. I wish that those things had never happened to me. If they if they hadn't, I probably would have become a lawyer or gone into politics, <laughs> government, and I would have been, you know, a star. Um, now I'm a star doing the things that I do, but I'm I'm the star that um, hides behind all my clients so that they really get the time. Um, and I'm and I'm happy with that. I I've learned a lot, and I'll tell you on the the fashion side of things. Um, as I mentioned, the personal branding side of things way before anyone had ever even thought of that concept, yeah. of personal branding, there was a book that I discovered as a 15 year old, uh, back in the mid 1980s, the book had been out since maybe around 1980. And, uh, it was called, uh, the official preppy handbook. Uh, it was edited by this woman, Lisa Birnbaum. And I am telling you, Warren, I read that book forward and backward, <laughs> upside and down. I had passages memorized. Uh, I, I, I practiced Judaism. I, I would say, you know, I read it like it was the Torah. Um, <laughs> it was like serious. And it saved my life in a lot of ways oh, because wow. it gave me an opportunity to learn how to dress like a preppy person, um, even though I wasn't. And it might not have been the most authentic thing I ever did, but it was armor at that time. And Mm -hmm. I had a hypothesis as a 15 year old that is still the crux of my work all of these years later. And I just turned 52, by the way, so you can do the quick math. Um, This has been with me most of my life, which is I may never be hot. I may never be tall. I am five foot three. Uh, I may never be handsome, gorgeous, whatever. People may never find me attractive physically, sexually, whatever, but I could have style. I could have style. And if Mm -hmm. people saw my style, they would understand things about me from the inside out, not from the outside in. Yeah. And man, has that stuck. It is still the thing that I hang my hat on you know, to the second. Yeah. Uh, and I'll die feeling that way. I will die serving people in that way. It is um, a long time from now. But mm-hmm. I, the point <laughs> is, is that, you know, it, uh, it, it, it's really what, um, what I really believe in. And I've studied it myself. Um, and I'm living, living proof that this works. And you don't have to be in such dire circumstances to have yeah transformative experiences thank god (laughs) (laughs) did you ever um did you ever contact the author is she still around or is she is she passed now or you know i believe that she is still around and i have okay i have yet to contact her and i really should do that um thank you for pinging me that i should (laughs) i'm gonna do that 
<laughs> yeah, let's let's put our details in the show notes so everyone else can at least use this uh, use this interview as a reference as well because that sounds a great book. So, okay, so you had a torrid time, and sorry for kind of uh, bringing that up again, but thank you again for your honesty and and just sharing that with us, Joseph. It's uh, it's very kind of you to do so. But when you left school, what did you do then? So you left school into the big wide world. Um, what was your kind of what? How did you cut your teeth in in business and and learning how to make some money? Well, school, college, anyway, was uh, tough for me. It was, uh, I don't know why it took this long, but into college, it was uh, discovered that I was dyslexic mm-hmm. and uh, I, I needed help. I was a very good student and I have high intelligence, but I was also struggling. Um, one of the amazing things that turns out to be a gift, I guess, um, struggles can really be a gift. And mm-hmm. I just decided, hey, I am not getting anywhere here. I'm not getting the support that I need. I'm going to I'm going to quit. And I talked to my mother about it and I told her what my idea was and she said, "Look, I just want you to be happy." Hmm. Boy, what a gift. What a gift that my mother gave me this single thing to hang my whole life on. Be mm-hmm. happy. Mhm. And I, uh, I, I marched into Neiman Marcus on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. The store had been open for approximately seven years at the time. Yeah. I knew that they were hiring a position uh, in the men's sportswear department. And I was a young man myself. And I liked, yeah, I liked men's sportswear. And I said, went up to the HR department and I said, I know you're hiring and I need a job. <laughs> give me a job. And uh, they essentially sat me down in front of some, you know, now very antiquated computer and made me fill out, <laughs> you know, psychological profile that I wasn't nuts. And, um, and they, they hired me. They gave yeah. me a week of training about not how to sell, by the way, but about how to use the cash register. Okay. Threw me out on the floor. Um, and- <laughs> Sink or swim comes to mind. Absolutely. <laughs> And it was, um, I, I can't, I can't really say that the rest is history because there were challenges in the beginning. Um, but I had a manager who, um, started about six months into my employment with the company and she had to do the, un, you know, unwieldy thing of putting me on what was essentially probation because my sales were in the tank and, uh, she said, I hate that we're doing this, but I'm just doing my job. She said, but I really want to do the other part of my job, which is to help you. And she said, what is it that you need? And I will never forget telling Betsy Graham is her name, mm-hmm. uh, the best manager I ever had. And I said to her, as a 20 year old would might say, uh, I'm a little high maintenance. So <laughs> if you would tell me you know, when I screw up, how I can fix something, that would be great. And if you could tell me when I've done something well, well, that would also be great because I have rarely ever heard that I've ever done anything well, even though I'm not a complete failure, I'm here. And so um, that was a transformative experience in my life right there, that somebody dared to ask me for what I needed and I dared to speak my words. Mm-hmm. And um, my sales career really took off from that point on. And the best part about that from a fashion and style perspective is 
my clientele began to really develop at that point from that mm. point on. And mm. every single person that I've ever served in all the years have been my greatest roster of teachers and educators, letting me really learn about them so that I could also learn more about the power of mm. clothing and yep. style could really do for people and how transformative it is and, and yeah, how yeah. individualistic the the transformations are per person. It's been a phenomenal yeah, yeah. career. It is interesting that those interpersonal skills that you learn at retail, isn't it? And and I think, you know, what what it sounds as if what is coming through really loud and clear here, Joseph, is you've been able to listen. And it was interesting you saying that you wasn't taught about sales, but actually the best salespeople are the best listeners. And it sounds as if you've done a lot of that in your time. And you've also picked up on characteristics and buying signals and, and body language and all these things that kind of happen sub subconsciously. Um, do you think that's something that you've as time has gone on and now you've moved into what you do today, is that something that you've looked at much deeper from a scientific perspective? Well, somewhat, sure. I think in the beginning, Warren, it was pretty visceral for me because growing up having no friends and, and being devoid of relationships outside of my immediate family and mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing and, and very in a very limited way socially, like really through my synagogue experiences as mm -hmm. a child, that was the only place I felt safe. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a very limited way of relating with people. And so working uh, on the selling floor was really throwing me out there big time into the great big world of relating with people. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning and for a long time, all I really relied on was my instinct. Yeah. Um, and absolutely to your point, 100%, it was all about listening and it was following their body language. It was listening, watching, feeling into, uh, creating dialogue, dialogue that became an ongoing thing, dialogue that led to trust um, to the point where people would say, you know, you could sell me absolutely anything. And I wasn't even trying to make sales anymore. It was, I, I never worried about how I was going to eat or put food on my table or pay my rent or my mortgage eventually, or none mm. of that ever, you know, became an issue. It was really about how, now, how am I serving people? How am yeah. I really helping people? And I realized that, uh, because my clients were my teachers, as I mentioned before, mm. um, they were saying, you know, you are really making a difference in my life. You know, you're not just selling me some schmatas now. You're like, you know, you're like actually, you're like out of the rag trade in a way. And you're like really giving me confidence in the sense of style. Mm -hmm. And this was happening when I was, you know, still a really young man. Um, yeah. That was empowering. Yeah. That's how I, that was how I really knew that I was onto something. And then it made me want to continue to study it. On, a, on deeper levels. Got you. Okay. And do you see that in today's retail, Joseph? You know, when you go shopping in stores, are you aware of the, of that level of of service? Really, I suppose more so than anything else. Sadly, no. Uh, in large part, um, I have partners, very select partners in different stores. Like, if I go into a Neiman Marcus store in San Francisco, I have a person and she is a fabulous person. Mm -hmm. I have 
such a person at Bergdorf Goodman who I just like adore her um, and and someone who's a personal shopper stylist at at Saks Fifth Avenue um, on Fifth Avenue. Yeah. Uh, and these are yeah. people who I have long relationships with who are lifers, if you will, in this business and they get it. Um, they are not transactional. They are relational. They yeah. care about the relationship. Um, and it's more transactional perhaps for my clients because they're not really involved. I'm their agent in that sense, but I still like the relationship and I don't in what I do and what I have come to know over the years and so on. Um, I need less of a relationship theoretically, I can be pretty transactional because I have the relationship with the clothes. I know mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. And I love the relationship. I will tell you um, how strongly do I feel about relationships and why I think people in that retail itself is due for a major overhaul. And this will be like, you know, a woo-woo statement for me to make. Let me just get my pen, Joseph. I'm just getting my Let pen. Let it out. Put this in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> Go on. The, uh, the, uh, the energy that occurs between the sales associate and the customer transmits into the fibers of the garments that somebody is buying. If somebody makes me feel pressured and I buy a garment... Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm not going to feel good about buy, about that garment if I take it home. If I feel like someone has just given me permission to experience something new, no pressure, take it home. If you don't like it, you can bring it back. It's fine. We, mm -hmm. I will take good care of you. Don't feel pressured at all. I feel so much more willing to give that a go. To me, this is really an exchange of energy. Mm. It's more about the relationship. And I can tell you, because I'm sitting in my closet for the, you know, as we're having this interview, uh, it's where my, my kind of home office is. It's in my inner sanctum. I am <laughs> surrounded by all of my clothing. Uh, and I could tell you chapter and verse where I was when I got this, that, or the other, the memories. Yeah. Yeah. I want the good feels. And I think retail needs to um, not just have, you know, wonderful, fancy environments, but I think we need to have the good feels that come with good people at retail who, yeah. who transmit the good feels. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so interesting. And you've just sparked a memory in my head, actually, because I'm actually from a retail background way back in the day, many, 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 many moons ago. <laughs> right. And I and I remember my boss coming in to me and, and I used to work in a really beautiful store in, in, in Birmingham in my hometown in, in the UK. And it was a gorgeous store. And I remember Clive used to say to me, he says, Warren, whenever you're selling clothes, don't think of them as clothes, as fabric, think of them as friends. And actually my job as a salesperson within the store was to introduce my customers to new friends. And, and it was just a different way of thinking about it. And you, the way you were talking there about the energy getting translated and, and, you know, having that 
connection even though it's a piece of fabric you know there is a connection if you if you have that understanding of why why we buy clothes it's not just to cover our body it's there's so much more than that there's so it's so emotive and this is what i want to try and get out of you now joseph exactly how you how you start working with your clients i want to find out more about your clients who they are what are they looking for what help do they need can you give us a bit of an overview of that sure so Although they don't necessarily tell me that it's confidence initially, I come to find out that that's what it is down the road. Yeah. People usually are coming to me because they know that I have a reputation mm-hmm. around developing a person's style. And so yeah. that's, that is the reason that people initially come, even if they want to do the personal branding work and things like that. This is very much about, First things first, style, it's on the outside. Once a client, you know, and I have had the the right kind of conversation to make sure that we're a right fit for each other and and that kind of thing, we we get into it. Uh, The ideal client for me is is really, um, has proved, it's almost like I didn't go out and select it myself. It's happened over time and I just know who I work best with. Uh, and so, for example, um, people who are tech executives, um, women and men equally, yeah. uh, there aren't as nearly as many women tech executives, but I tend to um, attract many of them. And it's a, a special privilege and honor because there are so few. And I really want to see more equality in that space as well yeah. in finance and yeah. law two of the other areas that I also specialize in uh, quite a bit mm-hmm. um, in terms of client development and acquisition. Um, these are three areas, tech, law, and finance, where the clientele tends to be pretty geeky. Uh, and I don't mean that they're wearing pocket protectors and like <laughs> nerdy glasses that they have to push in, you know, to uh, over the bridge of their nose constantly. And they've got tape somewhere on their glasses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> these geeky people are like super into their stuff. Yeah. Um, they live and breathe it. And uh, I am a geek around style and branding uh, for people. And uh, I am allowed in their presence to geek out with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have to change to be who I am to serve them. It makes me kind of like an epic rock star for them. But I don't have to own that or show up with any, you know, added ego. I just get to be me. And they freaking love that because these kinds of geeky individuals are tend to also be a process oriented. They love to study, especially the ones with an engineering background. They love to know how do all these disparate components that they've never thought about come together to create a style. Mm-hmm. So to your the additional part of your question, what are those parts? For me, it's the foundation of good solid image consulting happens to be around personal coloring and personal styling. Now, what that means is I do a profile for each client around their personal coloring. I have a system that one of my color mentors of many years developed um, probably 
over the process of, of oh, some 40 years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a it's a wonderful system. It, it utilizes 3,500 colors that are wow. on sticks that may run between three and six colors per, per plastic paddle. And I hold them up next to the naked face. The, I say naked face because if a person tends to wear cosmetics or bronzer or whatever, uh, none of that is on for the session. Uh, and so I hold these colors up next to the naked face in the, in the blind zone of the person so that they can't really see exactly what I'm looking at. And I look for resonance. There's a vibration that happens or doesn't happen with (laughs) color. And I'm looking for things where the vibe is high. And I'm also looking for colors that match the individual's DNA colors. Uh, that, that was a a phrase that I termed uh, DNA colors, like the colors of one's eyes, yeah. uh, the base skin tone, the hemoglobin, meaning the, the body red, um, the color of hair, um, the color of eyebrows, um, the color for men of facial hair. Um, mm-hmm. What people can't see right now is that I have multi-tones of uh, blonde, brown, and gray all in my facial hair, and it gives me uh, this rich uh, ability of being able to tap into a whole tapestry of color uh because i have all that color on my face i play around with color yeah uh i do a a a very wackadooey analysis of things where i i study the color psychology of the of the client's color palette and i come up with four words to describe the person and the things that i have learned about people that they have confirmed are absolutely true are <laughs> mind-boggling I, I could tell you a whole hour just on that alone um and after we do that um we do what's called a personal style profile and it's a deceptively simple one page kind of a thing that works like a mind map i want to know from my client who they think they are now in the moment without any interfering uh, feedback coming from memory of people telling them you are so this, people disparaging them, you are so Mm -hmm. not this. And also to tell me uh, among these qualities, traits and characteristics, in what ways would they like to develop? I'm offering people an opportunity to grow. So it's a snapshot of the now as much Mm -hmm. as it is also Um, a gaze into the future. And then I do a full-on analysis of this mind map, and the results of that tell me, on the basis of a number of archetypes, which two or three archetypes belong to a person. And from there, I understand the codes of clothing and style so that I can then assess this type of look is what you need when you're going to be meeting with this type of person. This type of look is what you need when you're going to be meeting with another type of person or for events. Um, And it's about being authentic. So Mm -hmm. it's not about shift blowing in the wind just to appease or appeal to another type of audience. Mm -hmm. What I recognize is that we are very complex individuals, and we deserve to show up 
in varying forms that allow us to be our full selves in a complete way, not just yeah. in the moment, but yep. that today I show up this way, tomorrow I show up that way because that's part of who I am. Yeah. Some people don't have as much um, need for flexibility and they, they can dress a little bit more, uh, shall we say, uniformly. Mm-hmm. But even there, there is a need for variety and that's where, yeah. color, that's where color really comes into play. Are they quite compliant, Joseph? Do you know what I mean? Because again, I suppose a big part of your job is to give the advice, but they've still got to do it, haven't they? You know, they've still got to run with it. Is is that part of the way this kind of consultation that you have with your clients? Is that a big part of it? Just trying to work out what the stumbling blocks may be with the advice that you're giving? Uh (laughs) Yeah, a very, a very valid uh, question. I don't have much history with stumbling blocks. Here's, okay. Here's and I have had a couple, and I can tell you about them because they are. I learned a lot, and that was really special and important. Yeah. Um, but the reason that I largely don't is because I am not looking at a person and saying with my magic fairy wand, "Boom! You put this on, and you will look hot." Um, you know, I, that's just very judgmental. Yeah. What's happening is there is a co-creative study going on where the client is telling me about who they are and I am there to learn and then reflect back like a mirror. Mm-hmm. So I am not the originator of how a person identifies as self. They are. And Got this you. is super powerful and is very mm. different than what you see in retail because Back to the days when, the many years that I worked in retail, I couldn't really go up to somebody really and say, you are so X, Y, and Z. You (laughs) are really a trustworthy individual. Or, wow, you know, you could really stand to look more cosmopolitan. Or, (laughs) you know, what would happen if I dressed you in something that was more avant-garde? Would you feel, you know, like you would look so good that way? It's very, it's, uh, it might be true, but it's also very judgy. And so yeah. that kind of thing doesn't fly. Um, yeah. That is where there is a lot of resistance. But because this is something that they are telling me, this is who I am, this mm-hmm. is who they are, uh, it becomes a lot easier to get the buy-in. What sure. I have learned, though, and this has happened no more than twice in my lifetime, <laughs> is despite my plea for honesty, I've had a couple of people complete these uh, mind maps thinking that they have to do this to please somebody else. Okay. Trying to cheat the system. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when somebody thinks that she needs to be someone's trophy wife, um, (laughs) she's really living her whole entire life for someone else for her own security. Yeah. She's willing to fake it, but it, but it all comes out in the wash with me because when upon presentation of clothing Mm -hmm. and this is wrong and this is bad and this is wrong and this is bad and over and over, it's like that only happens when someone has not been honest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's really interesting. I mean, obviously it works. Obviously you've been very, very successful. I want to also talk about, and I read on LinkedIn, actually, um, somebody had posted, I think it was Michael that had posted about you winning an amazing award, the best personal stylist award in, uh, in Silicon Valley. Can you tell us a little bit how that process works, Joseph? 
I don't even know how that works. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the amazing uh, publication, Modern Luxury, which is an American-based publication and has uh, satellites, if you will, satellite publications around the country yeah. here, here in New York uh, and in San Francisco and in Silicon Valley and places like Aspen, Miami, and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a, the franchise of up-level uh, publications in, in glitzy locales. Um, <laughs> they, they bestowed this upon me for the second year in a row. Um, they, they bestowed this upon me as well in, in the December 2019 issue, just before the whole pandemic uh you know, created this amazing collapse on our uh, need for socializing and whatnot. But yeah. um, it they they never went out of publication, thank goodness. And um, they there's enough street cred for me, Warren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in the valley that uh, they they put me up for this once again. And one day they called and they said, um, "You're going to be in the mag in the magazine in the July August 20." 21 uh edition yeah. and i was just so honored really that's um, so cool it's humbling. that's really nice that is really nice again i know you don't do it for the recognition but it is nice to get a little pat on the back from time to time for sure and i've got some other questions that i've written down here about kind of your your aspirations with regards to doing what you do in from from other people's perspectives so can i ask you the question joseph who do you look at from a celebrity perspective or from a public figure that you absolutely think they've got it on point and okay you don't know them and you haven't you done your analysis and you haven't done your consultation but who in the public eye are you looking at at the moment and thinking they've actually got it nailed down um one person who I think really gets it and does very well is Christiane Lagarde. Um, she uh, is, I follow her on, on Instagram and I think that um, her uh, role uh, in, in finance and, and how she handles things on a global level is mm -hmm. uh is so impressive. Um, I think that she is a striking, uh, beautiful individual, uh, perhaps even, shall we say, handsome as a woman um, in the way that she comports herself. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, if I could meet her, I would just be in such awe of her, um, <laughs> really, because I think that she, I think that she really gets it. Yeah. Um, this is a sentimental uh, other suggestion uh, because her music really saved my life, honestly, as a child. And her her songbook could really be, uh, you know, chapter and verse of my whole entire life, honestly, uh, since I discovered her. Um, and that is uh, the rock star Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Her, okay. her style has really endured. Um, yeah. You know, she she has a great story about how she developed her rock and roll stage performance um, look. Um, but she, um, what is amazing is that now she is, you know, into her seventies, she looks phenomenal. Yeah. She maintains herself beautifully. Um, and, and her look has really endured where some other rock stars or music performers like Madonna have, 
done lots of different transformations and, Mm -hmm. you know, aren't necessarily the grow older gracefully types. Um, Stevie is a wonderful role model for someone like me because she really is um, doing this very gracefully and she looks phenomenal. Yeah. She's also had her share of ups and downs and struggles with drugs and uh, weight gain while she was trying to kick one drug with, you know, with, with prescriptions that her psychiatrist gave her. And all, mm-hmm. all this is very well publicized. I'm not speaking out of turn. But what is amazing is that she has really, she has endured. And I love the story of, of style in a way that proves endurance. She is, she is a rock star in, in more ways than one in my eyes and in my heart and, and in my, my ears. Mm. Um, and, and so I, I just love what she has been able to carve out for her as a, as a stylistic niche. On the male side of things, for people who identify as male, I, I don't know, maybe this is because I was, uh, you know, boating around Lake Como last week, but <laughs> hard to go wrong with Clooney as, uh, as, as kind of a role model for, you know, for, you know, men's style. Yeah. Um, I guess that beyond that though, um, I actually happen to be wearing one of his shirts today is, uh, one of my designer heroes, uh, Dries Van Noten. Mm. I think that uh, he really gets style from a from a particularly um, evocative, communicative, expressive, uh, emotive way that few few designers are really playing in that space these days. Um, yeah, and it's one of the things that makes me really um, adore him as a designer and um, the output of his work, both for women and men. Mm. That's three times, three episodes I've done of the podcast that people have mentioned his name. Um, in fact, Vicky Sars, the jewelry designer, mentioned him uh, previously. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying there, Joseph. It's And actually, it's really interesting how... You know, all those struggles, all those character building life experiences, they are the tapestry of our clothing, aren't they? They are they are the tapestry of our soul. And there's a brilliant, I was trying to find it here because I wanted to read it out and this is completely off cuff, but there is an amazing set. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to post it in the show notes. There's a, there's a saying all about cool people and the challenges that people have had throughout the life. And I will definitely post it in the show notes because it's just, it's one of these inspirational quotes that is just, it just blows me away every time. And actually listening to you speak, it's exactly right. I mean, it's as if you wrote the quote to perfectly truthful with you, but. Wow. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to read it in the show notes myself. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> credit right all... Don't credit me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a couple of other questions I just want to ask because I know you're busy, but who inspires you, Joseph? Because there is always a reason that we have to get up in the morning. Who or what inspires you to do what you do? Each person that I serve is one person, one at a time, who Mm -hmm. inspires me because I really want to support their own rise to greatness. Um, Many of them are already totally successful and great in their own right Mm -hmm. and don't like to settle for the status quo. So I'm working with folks who are 
way above and beyond me on some levels, but I see us still as equals because they come to me for something that they cannot or prefer not to do themselves. Yeah. Want a partner. They want the stewardship. They want the relationship. They want to grow with somebody as their guide in this area. And I, Mm. uh, I'm so grateful and humbled and honored to be able to do that with a lot of really cool and amazing people, many of whom, many of whom, but not all of whom are leaders. Um, I also love working with individuals who fall out of my typical parameter, but who come to me because I can give them something back of their lives that they feel that they have lost. Mm. Um, And I love being able to help people reclaim their lives. I have such wonderful stories about people like that, that Maybe working with business executives don't put tears in my eyes, but I think about certain individuals in my life who are my clients that I've given them, they say that I've given them something back that they lost. Uh, it gets me choked up, Warren. That's really cool. That's really lovely to hear. No, that's that's really cool. And actually, there's a certain part of me that says, are you documenting all this? You know, are you are you capturing all this? But I know you've got a huge amount of integrity because that's what you do. You know, you have to when you're that close to people and you're that close to people's real rawness of the of the character. You have to be mindful of that and you have to put a little bit of a barrier between you, them and the rest of the world to some extent. So I know that's a difficult thing to do, but. You know, Joseph, the film, I could see it now. I could see it <laughs> I have written uh, some, some, you know, words on uh, Word, you know, Word document, uh, yeah. about 250 pages worth of stuff wow. um, about the experiences that I've had, both my own transformation and mm. the work that I've done over the years to help, uh, you know, just a small number of people to, you know, from my perspective, what, what their stories are like. And I'll tell you when, when, you know, when, when you're a sales associate in a store and you're alone with your client in a dressing room and they're stripping and trying Mm -hmm. on clothes, uh, and it's not sexual, uh, it still is really intimate. Uh, when you have to, see how clothes fit and you're talking about why somebody wants something uh it's intimate when i graduated from that scene and went on to you know be in in business for myself and going into people's homes uh and literally going into their closets you see everything uh you see the you see things that people have shame around that they are holding on to uh, you see victories, you see love, you see a lot of things in people's closets. You see them ho- holding on to junk that doesn't even belong in that closet, let alone maybe <laughs> elsewhere, but it certainly doesn't belong in their clothes closet. And there is so much psychology behind all of this. Mm. The, the, the risk the, they will not feel vulnerable in front of me so long as I can help it, but I am aware that there is a risk of vulnerability that people take when they are embarking on working with me and even at different permutations of our working together because there becomes new levels of intimacy. Like mm. 
oh my gosh, you're coming into my home. Boy, I have I have to clean up and <laughs> I have to tell people, please don't. I'm not here to judge. Yeah. I'm here to help. Mm-hmm. There, I may evaluate certain things when it's time to organize your closet with and for you or with or for you. I need to know exactly what's going on. Don't try mm-hmm. to straighten anything up from, you know, on my account. Yeah. I need to see how you're really living so I can help you live better. Don't yeah. fake it for, for my purposes. Be yeah. real. And it is amazing, Warren, what really happens. I I want people to feel like when they're opening up their closet doors or drawers or what have you, that it's like, you know, the heavenly harps are playing and, you know, people are feeling, you know, absolutely like, you know, the like if gold, you know, light could, you know, could have a song that, that it would play out loud for people so they could feel, you know, like all was right in the world. Like they were looking back at a reflection of themselves with their clothing and, and that they could tell these stories that we were talking about before the tap rich tapestry that people actually have i want to see that reflected back in in how people um are dressing and so this this level of intimacy and the risk of vulnerability is so special Mm -hmm. uh it's the greatest kind of plutonic relationship i could ever have with another human being the level of trust to see somebody that a person would allow me the privilege of being able to truly see them in a very deep way that is wholesome and helpful and cathartic um, and transformational. What it comes down to is I have this wacky, I say wacky because I maybe I don't want to own it as fully as perhaps I should, but I do and when I'm doing it, I have a way of seeing people's potential that they don't see in themselves. This mm. is what people are hiring me for. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely amazing. The first question I asked you was what does the chief style geek do? And you know, you came out with your your kind of elevator pitch which was brilliant. Um <laughs> but actually over the last 50 minutes we have covered so many different things, so many different different attributes of your business and the mindset and the way that you operate it's pretty clear to see joseph why you're so good and so valued by all your clients and i want to try and help you help me help everyone you know it's um it's what it's what we are here to do so how can people get in touch with you joseph um whether or not that's for business or just to kind of thank you really for for this podcast because i think there will be people listening to this that thought i need to send him a message well, I have a website and it is josephrosenfeld.com. Uh, there's a lot of value there that if you are interested, you can partake of. I have about 500 blog posts that I've written over the years that really you can delve into that. It's mm-hmm. like an encyclopedia of my knowledge and how it has evolved over the many years that I've been posting blogs. Um Also, the same name, Joseph Rosenfeld, is how you can find me on Instagram. And if you are a Clubhouse user, that is also my handle on Clubhouse. And I'm always looking to have new connections uh, over there as well. I have a a club uh, called The Introverted Executive, and I host rooms every uh, Wednesday uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the United States. 
Um, and if and if you want to find out more about that club or become part of that community, that's fabulous. And of Brilliant. course, I'm also on LinkedIn with the yeah. same same name, Joseph Rosenfeld. No, that's amazing. And actually, the opportunity to speak to you, like I've just done for for the duration of this interview, is uh, is well worth just signing up to Clubhouse. And it's accessible for everyone now, so they've opened the doors fully, so everyone can get involved in that. So, listen, my friend, it's been an absolute joy. Every conversation I've had with you has been brilliant, but this has been really, really treasured. And I thank you so, so much for your time, Joseph. Thank you for inviting me and to uh, share part of my story with you and 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 all your listeners i'm so appreciative good man all right take care i'll speak to you soon take care bye-bye great hey thank you joseph for your time and that wonderful wonderful insight to you and your amazing business really appreciate it well listener you may recall me during that show faffing about trying to find a piece of information on my phone it was actually a quote it was a quote all about cool people and how they kind of interact within our lives I absolutely love this I've I've saw this quote probably a couple of years ago and I absolutely love it so I'm going to read it to you now the coolest people I've ever met have the most colorful pasts they've lived lives of risk made bad choices learnt lessons explored And they're not afraid of being real. Tattered tapestries woven of similar threads. They're my kind of people. They're my favourite shades of crazy. I'll see you next week. Behind the Brands was brought to you in association with beforestores.com. Go check it out. You can discover new brands, meet the makers and their products before they go into stores. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. We'd really appreciate your feedback. You can also subscribe for future episodes by tapping the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, keep learning, keep listening, and keep creative.